Imagine you're working as a driver in Bulgaria and one of your clients is an international business owner. After four days of chauffeuring him around, he invites you to lunch. And after two hours of dialogue, he invites you to come to Vienna for a year and learn their business. So you could come back to Bulgaria and open and manage their business in Bulgaria. Sounds like a fairy tale, right? Well, it's not. At least not for Yasin Rousseff, co-founder of Escreo. In this conversation, Yasin takes us through his remarkable journey of entrepreneurship from working as a driver to participating in accelerators in Silicon Valley to co-founding a dynamic company that can transform any surface in the world into carbon-neutral whiteboard paints. Join us in this conversation with Yasin, who takes us through his journey and aspirations of trying to make the world a better place. Hey, you're listening to Innovators Can Laugh, the fun startup podcast. I'm your host, Eric Nocher. On ICL, we interview an innovative entrepreneur in the European tech startup scene every week. My goal is to have my guests share their wisdom while having a little fun in the process. Now let's dive in. Hey, Yassine, how you doing? Welcome to Innovators Can Laugh. Hey, hey, Eric. It's so nice to have me here and thank you for the invitation. Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous because you mentioned that you're working at a nice space that's on the beach and you, you get to hear the, the ocean waves crashing through and the nice, you know, the nice sunset and everything. Is that, is that true? Yeah, yeah, I was there like for a couple of months here on the beach site in Bulgaria. We have a very like a hobby business, side business, side project that's called okay. Beach Hub. And the Beach Hub is a co-working space right on the beach where we are welcoming all our friends and clients. All right. That is so nice. And the, and the seaside in Bulgaria is spectacular. We've gone twice now the past two years for long weekends. And there's a resort that we go to. It's fantastic. The kids love it. There's like eight different pools. It's right on the beach. It's all inclusive. I like it. It's much better than the, uh, the beaches here in Costanza uh, or in Romania, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can agree. I've, I've been to, to both places. Like I've been a lot in our beach, the beach seaside, the Bulgarian seaside part. And then I've been to the Romanian as well. Like last year we went to, what was it next to Constanza? The, the Mamaya. Mamaya. Yeah. yeah. With my yeah. wife, we, we spent like a couple of days there. We, it was also very nice. Like it's, it's the same seaside, but different feeling. And yeah. yeah, we, we, we have great places here. So anytime you're here again, please call me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Definitely. Yeah. Now that I know there's an office that I can work out of, I'll have to extend my stay a little oh, bit longer. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. Hey, first question for you, Yasin, is where did you grow up and how has that shaped your view of the world? Well, I grew up in a small city, like right on the border between Bulgaria and Romania, actually. It's okay. Ruse on the Danube River and the Danube coast. And the interesting thing during my childhood was that I was really good, good student until I went to the university. When I was under the control of my parents, I was like super A, A plus every, every, every single time. Yeah. And another inter interesting thing is that we had a small villa outside of our, our town where we had many apricot trees and each summer, I remember how patiently, impatiently I was waiting for these apricots to, to, to be ready 
so I can pick them all and go to the farmer's market where I did actually one of my first sales. Okay. And this is, yeah, it was like, I was 12, 13, 14 years old, something like yeah. that. And when I got my first money and my parents, actually, they allowed me to do that like because we didn't keep it for ourselves, but I went to the market and I sold them all. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it was like the first, very first business, business yeah. tranks, yeah, when I did. Did you have any specials, like any, any promotions that you recall doing? Uh, with, with the apricots? No, actually, I, what I did is like, I didn't sell it myself. Like I didn't sell, I didn't have a stand, but okay. I went to many other stands with people that were selling different stuff, but apricots that didn't have apricots. So I okay. offered them, okay, you can expand your portfolio of products. So. <laughs> you were the wholesaler. Okay. <laughs> have, have, have my apricots. Yeah. There were so, so many that I, I couldn't stay just like to sell them all day long. And I okay. needed to sell them fast because they're, they're not stable. Like you have to, to sell it in within a couple of days. Yeah. So yeah. they don't get, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's interesting thing that I remember. The other thing is like, I had super calm and easy childhood with great, great family, great parents, great friends and surroundings. And of course it shaped, it shaped what I am now. All right. All right. Yeah. My wife loves apricots. She'll, she'll buy a lot of them, but no one in the house, including my kids, none of us like them except her. So it's like, why do you buy so many? Cause you're the only one who's going to eat all of them. It's like, why don't you buy some peaches, you know, things that we like. And she's, you no, know, she'll come home with apricots. <laughs> it, it's, it's very popular over here in Bulgaria to, to have apricots and not only to, to eat them as a fruit, but to have this special type of drinks like the, the rakia, which is like the, the, the hard stuff. Like it's a liquor, but very, very strong one that okay. they're making out of different fruits. And apricot is one of the fruits that are really useful all right. for that. Yeah. All right. Now you said the, you were near the border, near the, the Danube, was it near the Danube river? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Did you ever, did you ever go across that river as a kid or when you were younger, just to go across the border and, and hang out in Romania? Actually, I did that after the EU came, like the union, it was in 2007, the first okay. time that they, that they went there because then after we, we all get Bulgaria and Romania into the European union, it was very, very popular, like to to go across the border. So many Bulgarian and especially guys from uh, Russia were going right. there. It's just a, a bridge where you, you just show your idea and you go on the other side of the bridge. And before that, it was not that easy. Like before 2007, you had to have some special passports and stuff. So yeah. that's why we, we didn't hang out that much, but after we have this, like the, the border is, was open in 2007. There are many, many people traveling and actually the business between Bulgaria and Romania started start moving. Like, uh, it, it was an exchange for manpower. It was exchange of business ideas. So yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's very good that there is a cooperation between our two countries. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to see when there's a good trading partners right on the other side of the border. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We are working very much personally myself and Descrel, my companies working with Romanian companies as well. Okay. All right. Next question for you. As a kid, did, uh, did you know who you wanted to be when you were growing up or did, did you know that you were going to create your own company? Yes. And yes. And no, first I wanted to be a pilot, like very much mm -hmm. every time that we went to, uh, that we came to Sofia that back then, 
my first like willing was to go to the airport and to watch for the airplanes and to to watch the the pilots that were coming outside of the airport and i was imagining myself like to to be one of them but they didn't go through that because i'm very tall like i'm almost two meters <laughs> so that was the first stoppage but <laughs> but still yeah I, I i wanted to as i told you with the apricots maybe since my young ages i wanted to have some something own like to to not to be not to rely on somebody else but to to develop the whole thing by myself and my by my partners maybe my friends then so yes i think that even throughout the childhood what i what i'm always saying is that man is each of us has been born as an entrepreneur but some of us has developed this throughout the years and some of them didn't because when i look at my girl now i i have a girl she's six and during her her growing i see that even she's five or six she can achieve what she wants like it, it, this is like the the it doesn't matter what what type of instruments she is using either crying or screaming or whatever at the end she's trying to get what what she wants and this is like the the main thing that each entrepreneur is doing like he's getting what what he wants so that's yeah. why I, I I always say that we are born like that, and we need just to develop it throughout the years. Yeah, yeah. I know my my daughter. Her tactic for trying to get what she wants is uh, laying on the floor and kicking and screaming and crying. You know, she's well, she's she's two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the younger they are, <laughs> the stronger instrument. They use. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the stronger tactics they apply. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now, Yasin, what was your early career path like? And and do you have any memorable or or even embarrassing experiences early in your career? So after I left Ruse, my hometown, I went for my studies in Varna, which is the biggest city on the seaside. Mm -hmm. And there I was in the economic university and I was studying like international business and entrepreneurship. And interesting thing over there was that my job back then was a driver. I was so keen in driving cars and I, I found the perfect job for me, which was a rent-a-car driver. And all the cars there were brand new. So brand, brand new Mercedes, brand new BMWs, everything. Like it was super, super nice to, to have that job. And I was driving cars like all, all year long, not only the summer, Especially in the summer, it was like the hardest, the hardest, the busiest period. But I had this job for two years and interesting over there was that one of my last customers actually, because we had this also driving uh, services, like not only to rent a car, but to rent a car together with the driver. And we had a special client coming from Austria, which turned to be my future boss and my future mentor. Like he, he, he helped me through a lot and. That was the owner of a huge international company, like family, Austrian family company, dealing with all type of woods, wooden material, and like everything made out of wood for furniture, for constructions. They had warehouses in 14 countries in Europe, and they wanted to open a new one in Bulgaria as well. So they landed in Varna and we had a tour for five days together. I showed them around, like they had some spots where they needed to, to, to buy mm -hmm. and, and they, the last day, like it was five days trip on the last day, he, he said, okay, 
join us on the table, like be our guest in, uh, with our last lunch. And we had a chat for a couple of hours about myself, but until then, nothing. Like we didn't speak at all. This five days, I was just a driver. And then when I sat next to him, we, we had a chat for many, many uh, hours. And at the end of this talk, he invited me to, to come with them back to Vienna, to Austria, where I was an intern for one year. And one year later, they dropped me back to Bulgaria, to Sofia, where we created like the branch, the, the Bulgarian branch. And I, I was head of that. And yeah, that was like super, super important for my, my career path and for my developing, because like I saw from first, first place, from first sight, how one international business is growing by, by developing the new, the new branch and all, all. All that we did together with Adar was that really I, I had him like like my very close friend who helped me in a in a way you know the the time when people are graduating they they even don't know what to do and my it was <laughs> the same with myself like I I said okay I don't want to be a guy that doesn't know what to do after the graduation so what I wanted to achieve is to go somewhere abroad to have some training or something, and then to come back with all the ideas and all, all the, the knowledge that they can get abroad and develop it here in Bulgaria. And this is exactly what happened actually, because the more you want something, the more faster it comes to you. And it, it happened like that. You know, the things where you, you just imagine it very hard, very, very strong and very deeply. And then one day they, they suddenly happen and you have to know that it's not on coincidence, but it's just. You brought it to yourself. Yes, and this is a fairy tale type story. It is. I have to tell you, I haven't heard a story like this ever since I started interviewing startup founders. So a few questions for you. As you're telling me the story, the, the first thing I thought of is, do you think there was something you did in how you conducted yourself first to get invited to the table? And then second, during that conversation, do you think there was something that impressed him or convinced him to take a chance on you to be invited to go to Vienna and be an intern for one year? When you look back on those experiences, was there something that caught his eye? Mm -hmm. I have thought like, and we have spoken with, with him about that. And what he said is, uh, was that like, I did my regular job. I was staying in the car while they were, they, they had their meetings. I was super, super, super friendly with them, like super punctual. Like every time you have to be on the right time, on the right place, you have to be like very, very gentle with the, the whole, the, there were six people, like we had a minivan and we were riding around. So they were a huge <laughs> delegation, six or seven people, I don't remember. And he, he said exactly that, that the, the, the friendshipness, or I don't know how, how, how to say exactly like the, not the regular driver that is like staying set and okay, this is my, another boring day here driving around, but right the opposite. I was speaking to one of their, one of the guys in the company. I was asking questions, what are they doing? What, what, and then maybe, maybe this, like it's a combination of not only thing, but it's, it's a matter of how you react with people. Like it's just a personal 
personal touch. And I did that like throughout the years. It doesn't matter whether it's a partner or client or an employee or a boss or whoever, like it's, it's always the same. I try to, to be friends and to be friends with them and to be like somebody that they can trust and then they really can have, can, can give them the opportunity to develop themselves as, as it was with Jonathan back then. Okay. Okay. Now you were with this company for a number of years and what were the, some of the key things that, that you felt like, Hey, I'm really good at this particular part of the business. Was it like finance? Was it sales? You know, as you're running the show in Bulgaria for this international company, what did you, what did you, what are you good at? Did you discover something that, Hey, I'm really yeah. good at this? Yeah. The, the, how you say. Exactly like I answered before the communication with, with the people in the company, like, I don't want to say that I was a good manager because maybe the people should say that, but from what I've seen when I left the company, like all the good goodbyes and cryings and everything that, that I get from my, my, my guys over there, I, I really try to be good in that. Like I'm, I'm always a sales guy sales type of guy, like this is, this is my strongest power, I think, but the sales is not more than communication and not more than just the relationship with, with the other part. So maybe that's the thing that I can say that I'm strongest in. Okay. Okay. Now, what were some aha moments while you were working at this company as it relates to furniture and eventually starting your own business? Many aha moments actually. During this, during the, my, my job over there, I had another, another project. We were installing deck, deck systems, like around pools and everything. And I thought to myself, okay, I have the decking. I have the clients. What I'm missing is only the installation teams. So back then I did the company that it was doing the installation of decking systems. So that was one of the aha moments. And another thing is like. I always wanted to, it was like very easy for me to work there because I had all the privileges and all everything like very, very well positioned job, like with salary, good salary with in company cars and everything like, but I didn't feel hundred percent fulfilled from that. Like I wanted not only to be the manager, but to, to be the, the strategist, to be the guy that is like developing the whole thing and see how the impact is coming after, uh, after you created your own thing. That's why maybe I was all, always trying to combine my like full-time job with my, some, some types of side project. <laughs> and in 2013 was the biggest aha moment when I was selected together with another 30 people from Bulgaria to go to an MBA program in the States. And I said that. This will be the milestone, which shows me that I need to quit. And that after I, I, after I came back from the States in 2014, the beginning, then I, I quit and then I tried to expand with, with this and with my, my brand. Okay. What, which MBA program was this and where was it at? It was like, not the regular MBA program. It was a program called summer entrepreneurship program, which was targeting the Bulgarian students. And as you can imagine, I was not a student over there, but 
then applied for another master degree here in Sofia in one private university just to have the statement that I am a student. So together with this statement, I covered all the exams and essays and TOEFL and whatever, like many, many different stages was uh, the the whole competition. And then finally, we had this five-week five staying in New York, Boston, and San Francisco and Palo Alto, where we had like... <laughs> This, the, it was amazing, man. It was like one, one really one time is one. <laughs> what was it? It, it was once you have this in your life, it's life changing. Like yeah. uh, in my eyes, because we we had the the chance to meet founders and executives of uh, like you name it, Dropbox, Google. And at Babson University, like we had our, our studies, which is number one university for entrepreneurship in, in the States still. And the idea there was those 30 people to divide themselves into six teams of five people each. And for the five weeks to develop on a, to develop first the team, then to develop the idea inside the team. And then the whole business model and feasibility analysis and financial analysis and everything. And then at the end on week five to present it in front of a real VC partners in Palo Alto, which uh-huh. is like the first touch, my first touch with, with investors and venture capital at all. So it was mind blowing, really. Then I saw Tesla for first time. It was the, the, the car, the Tesla car was just invented like in 2012. Uh-huh. And then in 2013, I already was riding next to my investor. So it was, it was really mind mind-blowing event. And after I came back, actually over there, I met my co-founders. And after we, we came back to Bulgaria, I gathered them together and then we started this Creo. Okay. Was this Creo form, was the idea form during this program? Was that the idea that you and your teammates came up with or was it a separate idea no, afterwards? No. It was like, first we created the team and then we created the idea. And, uh, Interesting thing is that we were not together in the same team. I mean, during our studies in the States with okay. uh, my co-founders, but the good thing over there is that we were living together in like in either in a hotel or in executive MBA places. And during this staying together, I could feel that these guys are like my, my type of blood. And then I decided after we came back to Bulgaria that I'll call Iskren was like one of the two co-founders. Then we sat together with him and we, we said, okay, let's invite and Elena too, which is like another super girl, which, uh, and three of us, we started like thinking, okay, we have the knowledge. Now let's, let's do the startup. And it was not as clear the first thing that we thought about. It was like, what was it? It was more social entrepreneurship. Like we wanted to, to help the Bulgarian trams. Because in Sofia, we have many trams that are stopping just right in the middle of the street and people are going like, yeah. from the pavement to the, to the, tram. you see, you see a lot of that here in Bucharest too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there were no signals at all. Like a tram is just stopping and then doors yeah. opening and it's great. Yeah. It's like it's, that here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it was a super simple idea that we want to put just the sign, bus, bus sign. Like uh-huh. in the States, you remember where the school buses have this stop sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a super simple idea. And then we went to the mayor, to the head of the transport, to the head of whatever. And we, we hit so many rocks and we said, <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> social entrepreneurship in Bulgaria, it will be hard. <laughs> let's, let's, let's try something profitable. <laughs> okay. Then back then I remembered about the place in the Boston. It was in Boston, I think where we were in a huge accelerator called mass challenge and they had like wall, walls covered with markers everywhere was yeah writ the written walls and initially i thought to myself okay the americans are going mad and they are just writing <laughs> on the walls but then i realized that it's, it's some special type of coverage that that uh, allows you to erase these markers yeah and then I remembered about this product. I said that maybe that, that will be great to, to have this type of things here in the, not only Bulgaria, but this part of Europe. And Elena, Elena my co-founders were also happy with, with the idea. And then we, this is how we started actually digging into Escreo. Okay. And it was one year or something until we found out Mano, who was our fourth co-founder, who is actually the guy with the chemistry and with the formulas okay and four of us we created really amazing team which we presented in, in front of investors but it was tough it was really tough like one year and more than one year after we came back from bulgaria we had nothing like we we were just investing our money and time yeah and it 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 pays off so uh, tell, tell me about your first your first investor what was that experience like and <laughs> when did it happen? How many months or years after you guys actually started working on Escrail? Yeah, it, it, it started like since day one, actually. We didn't have any product when we went to our investors. They are called 11, like the most amazing venture capitalists in Bulgaria, for sure. Like 11 is one of the first funds that were created in 2000. 10 or something like that. And back then in 2010, 13, it was very, very like the, it was booming the whole ecosystem. The first startups appeared and then we were in, in this ecosystem as well, without being a startup. What was the good thing is that we knew a people, we knew a guy that was working for this venture fund that introduced us without having anything. Like we didn't have the paint, we didn't have just the idea and the team. And they said, okay, guys, you're very nice. <laughs> you look smart enough, but you don't have anything with, because we said, we want to find this paint somewhere abroad, yeah. bring it here and just to, to, to sell it. Yeah. They said, you need to have something like inte intellectual property inside the team. So you need to find somebody that wants to, to, to make this paint, yeah. to, to yeah. produce it yourselves. And that's why we found, okay, then we start searching for Mano, who we found one year later. But yeah, we, we started even before we had a product to speak to them <laughs> and they said many times that our persistence, because we've, we've met them like one and the same team, one and the same investor for maybe four or five meetings before we had like okay. initial talks about, about investment. You were super, okay. I want to, to come to your webinars, not webinars, but back then it was seminars. We want to be like super persistent and yeah, this is, this is how we started with them. Like. We started speaking in 2014 and we had the investment in April, 2015. So okay. one year, yeah. Okay. Was it hard convincing Mano to join the team and, and buy into the vision? Uh, we, we were lucky 
because Mano is a guy that was really experienced. He had more than 20 years in paint production. But you know, he was in this type, this time of his development where he was doing like each and every day the same paints, like for many, many, many years. And he was so bored and he, he just wanted to have something new. And it was like right time, right, right moment, right place, right time, because we were in a position where we needed somebody that knows how to do it, which is not easy to, to find something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then he was in a position where he was really bored of what he's doing and he wanted to get some new challenges in front of him. So it's okay. very, very nice to get together with, with him. But as I said, it was one year of struggling and speaking to many like him. Like he was not the first, of course, that we spoke yeah. to, but none of them either wanted or could make it. But he, he had this, like, this two, two, two strong positions where he made it and he wanted to be part okay. of the team. Right. And yeah, already seven, seven years on the market. Yeah. Okay. Now, what inspired the name of Escrow? It was different before. When we started, we said, okay, we are Bulgarians. We will have Bulgarian name. But you know that <laughs> the Bulgarian language is like nothing in common with any other language in, in <laughs> Europe. And it was called Bolshevna Buya, which means water fame. <laughs> and the domain name was also super unusual. So we decided, okay, from Bolshevna Buya, we are going to wonder fame. So first it was wonder fame. Okay. But then we decided that we don't want to keep pain in the comp in the name because we, we tried to fight against that feeling that we are a pain because we are. Yes, it is, it is a stain, but it with special yeah. functionality, right? So when you okay. think it's a paint, everybody comparing, is comparing it to another regular paint and we didn't want that. So we removed the paint and then we said, okay, we're going to, it was huge brainstorming. I remember we, for many days, but at the end of the day, Escreo means you create from Latin. Okay. And this is exactly what you do with, with our product. You create on your walls. Awesome. Awesome. Is Escreo focused specifically in, in large companies and the businesses of large companies or schools or any other sort of institutions? Like what's your primary focus? It, it is like, as you, as you imagine, it is applicable in any of, of these institutions. It's super useful at home, super useful at school, university. But what we found out is like the lowest hanging fruits are the office office buildings and their tenants, because back then in 2015, it was the, the co no, not co-working spaces, but the office buildings and this, uh, many international companies and really massive structures like SAP, HP, Ingram Micro, they, they just, they, they were coming to Sofia and they were renting huge offices. And yeah. the good thing back then was that we were exactly on the same, the right right place because our product became very, very fast, very trendy. Like it's one small market with not that many buildings. We covered most of them. So it, it became really like a trend. And then we said, okay, we covered the buildings here. Let's go to Romania because that was the, the, the closest market. Yeah. So in 2016, we were already in the Romanian market as well. Okay. All right. Now what's next for you personally, Yasin? For me personally, uh -huh. like I want to develop to the place where it's, it's 
it's almost automatic business. Like we we are already almost there because I have great team and they all of them is already a position where all they they all know what 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 they are doing and how to grow the business. So mm-hmm. what I observe now is that my presence here it's important, of course. But what I try to do is to delegate as much as possible. And then I'm trying to focus more on the strategy and on the next big things like new products, new markets, new businesses. Okay. Are there, are, are there any trends that you're seeing when it comes to office furniture that will continue to gain traction over the next few years? Yes. And interesting thing about what I'm interested in is not that much about the office furniture itself, but about the sustainability. Right now, okay. we, we developed a product that is called the Screole Clean Air, which is a paint that purifies the air in the room and that is absorbing uh, CO2 from the air, which is like uh, really revolution. And what we are trying now to... Because wait, wait, is, wait, 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 yeah, yeah. Sen, yeah. repeat that one more time because I wasn't clear. <clears throat> you have this beautiful video on the website and it's a picture of this guy. He closes his laptop. He goes to the whiteboard. The whiteboard falls down. He writes the word CO2, and then he crosses a line through that. And I thought, this is an interesting video, but I didn't quite get it. Can you explain one, one more time exactly what this product does? Yeah, actually, that video has another story behind it, but I will not get into that. We, we became carbon neutral company last year. That means that we have offset all our carbon emissions that we did either from producing the pen, delivery the pen, then all employees and all team that has been, each of us is producing carbon footprint, right? So last year we decided that we are going to be the first carbon neutral whiteboard paint company. And we, we, we offset all, all our carbon emissions. And mm-hmm. that's why we, we created this video to say that we are already carbon negative, carbon neutral. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, while we were doing that, we decided, okay, let's find a product that helps you to go carbon neutral without even having this offset thing. And then we, we thought of a paint that after you apply this paint, it starts absorbing the CO2 from the air, not only the CO2, but all harmful gases that are in the air. And this is how we are going to go not only carbon neutral, but carbon negative, because while we are already carbon neutral. And once we have this product running, like many, many office buildings, maybe, or another, another commercial buildings to be paid, uh, to be painted with that. And then we are going to get to the carbon negativity. Even. That's exciting. That is really awesome. Listen. Yeah. Thank you. Very, very cool. Very cool. Okay. Is there a book or article or podcast, something that you've read that has impacted how you think and run your business? Yes, Sin. Oh, many of them, but most, most powerful and inciting was how to win friends and influence the others. Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's not about the business strategy that much, but it's about the as I said in the beginning about the communication with, with the others and about the, your behavior among the others. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to achieve the success just by myself. And I never put myself like the guy that brought this success, but it's my team. It's always like that. Yeah. And this is, this is the book really that I, I could read many times. Yeah. No, it's on my shelf. I've probably looked at it 
many, many times and looked at the notes that I've written. It's, it should be a foundation for anybody, regardless if you're an entrepreneur or not. Okay. Now for some fun questions, just so that we can get to know your personality a little bit. Yasin, does corn belong on pizza? Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the flour. I love corn flour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Okay. Next question for you. What is a favorite TV show that you can watch again and again? Well, to be honest, I don't watch TVs. And... A TV show, you mean like this night shows or like it could TV be, series? It could yeah. be a series like on Netflix or HBO or Disney or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like like the, how to say, not, not to be interested in something particular, but uh, to be interested in good movies, like the inspirational movies is something that I really love. Soon I, I watched this Elvis movie about Elvis. I've heard that was good. You see? Yeah. I haven't yet. It was good. It was good. My favorite actor was there, Tom Hanks. And interesting. I I tried to to be in the shoes of of, of this huge, very huge guys, Elvis. And in the, before it was the Freddie Mercury, the the Rhapsody, it was amazing movies. And this is inspiring actually, not, not a specific show. Okay. Yeah, I have to watch it. Last question for you, Yasin. What is the most death-defying act you've ever done? Death-defying. I was bungee jumping. Okay. It was not death-defying. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm like this type of person where I really, ex- uh, I'm excited about everything that is fast. I'm snowboarding fast. I, I, <laughs> I was jumping. I was like riding, what is it? These fast bikes. Not, not the choppers, but the, the one that you're driving on the pists only. Yeah. And yeah, this, this experiences bring me to life. But when I got my wife, I sold everything. Like I have just a car now <laughs> and I, I keep on snowboarding, which is, which is during the winter times, but I love the, also in the summer. And this was the, the, another summer that I couldn't surf and I want to teach, to, to learn surfing which yeah. is something that I will do the whole summer, maybe. Cool. Well, I want to learn snowboarding. I'm going to try that this January and, and do it with my son. So hopefully uh, we can... In Bulgaria, maybe? Well, we'll probably start here in Romania, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I learned in 2016. It was already five, six years. That was that is going to be the... Oh, no. It, it was in 2010, actually, when I started snowboarding. So... 12 years already on the piste. Welcome. I will, I will <laughs> bring you, I'll bring you some, some off, off-road trips. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I'll, I'll remember that. All right. Yeah. Yassine, thank you so much for being on Innovators Can Laugh. This has been a pleasure for everybody thank listening. You. Yeah. No, for everybody listening, I'm going to put the links to Escreo and Yassine's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to have Stoyan Yankov on the show. He is a productivity and performance consultant for startups and uh, corporate teams. And for everybody listening, keep hustling out there. Feel free to share the episode. And if you can, feel free to give us a review. Okay. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.